Hello and welcome to the Messed Up Gardener. My name is Esther Aiken and I'm your host for today and I am buzzed to be here. So this morning, oh my gosh, I had such an awesome experience. I do bees, right? So I'm a beekeeper, I do queen rearing, pollination for industry, for orchards, avocados, kiwi fruit, that sort of thing. And we've had a really terrible, terrible frost a couple of weeks ago and it has really badly impacted on the industry, especially the kiwi fruit industry, where the flower buds were just starting to form in the cane, which obviously the kiwi fruit themselves grow from. So the orchardists all had this damage and the flowers are no longer opening up at the same time, whereas normally you can get away with chucking bees in there for a few days at a time. Oh, seven to 14 days, whereas in the flowers are opening at different rates. And it is really messing with the orchardists, with the beekeepers, because their whole season's been extended out. And especially in the green kiwi fruit, the bees don't actually like the pollen. It's not as nutritious as some of the other New Zealand native species and grass species and things like that. So they try and avoid it as much as they can. So this particular orchard that I've had the privilege of working with, the orchard manager is really open to something a little bit different. He lost a lot of his crop this year because of the frost. They can already tell because of the damage the frost had done to these um, buds. So he wasn't unhappy about trialing a new technique. So this year I've got nukes, which are um, five or six frames in a white box, basically a cardboard box. And this year we stuck it under the canopy to see if it was going to grab the flowers, especially because they're opening up at such different stages. So I've just been, it's like, oh, I don't know, eight o'clock in the morning here on a Sunday. I have moved another two nukes into this orchard and it was super exciting to see the bees already busy. And we've had really bad weather and I mean really biblical weather with with flooding and it's the winds have been horrific and basically the girls have just stayed indoors for the last you know week or two um and not wanting to come out so I've had to be feeding a lot of extra sugar syrup and it was great to see the girls out this morning but my I think my favorite part was seeing these fruit develop so with the pollination of a kiwi fruit, the, the fruit itself, the, just the berry, it actually forms really, really quickly. So you can see if the fruit set has been successful. So I can already see where the bees have been. The petals, they brown off quite quickly. They fall off. And the fruit, the little bulbous fruit, um, it just forms so quickly. I've done a little Facebook reel on it. So if you get a chance and, you know, and I'm going to stick it on my TikTok, um, the messed up garden um, on TikTok, I'll put it on there as well because they are just so super cute. And they really, really are little green baubles, 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 um, hanging out of this, the vine. So that was sort of the highlight of my day and I already, and it's, it's not even, I don't know, it's not even nine o'clock, so it's only been in the last hour. So this is really, really hot. So if you're listening to this on Sunday, then I recorded this, um, you know, obviously the, the previous Sunday because I just, I had to share it and it was super exciting. But today's topic that I really want to talk to you about 
is the secret life of your garden. Now, bear with because I'll tell you what, your garden is, it's alive. And I mean alive. So one of my uh, the topics that I mastered in as part of my ecology masters was allopathy, which is chemical warfare in plants. So I um, was doing my masters on woolly nightshade and um, Solanum um I never get that last one right, so my Latin's terrible. I, I you know, I do beg your pardon. Um, the it's also known as the tobacco weed. It was originally from Uruguay, so it's come into uh, New Zealand via the uh, trade routes way back in the 16th. I think it was talking about the 16th century even, but New Zealand wasn't even colonised before there. But anyway, um, it, it spread through the world basically. And it is actually quite a nasty, nasty plant pest in New Zealand. It's on the restricted um, containment plant, li- uh, plant pest list, which means that we have to, every when we can, we have to kill it and get rid of it. And it is, but it has this incredible, incredible superpower. So it has a, a, a toxin in the leaf that when the plant itself drops its leaves, it sort of sheds its leaves. It's, it's an evergreen. It has, keeps its leaves on all year round. But every six weeks, you know, six weeks prior to say spring or six weeks prior to the autumn growth, it'll do a leaf shed. All right. Now this is chemical warfare in your garden at its sneakiest, at its most strategic way of dealing, you know, with the enemy, if you want to call it that. It sounds very dramatic, but because of its leaf drop, six weeks prior, roughly, to the spring growing season starting, you know, so it's not a winter leaf drop, it's literally six weeks prior to sort of the the weather starting to improve for other plants to start germinating. So what this nasty little, not so little, tree plant does is by dropping its leaves, the leaves decay, the toxins go into the soil, and the toxins themselves actually stop more, um, you know, the, the more desirable plant species that you want to germinate from germinating. Originally, it was designed so that it stops its own um, seeds from germinating so that the parent plant can grow and thrive and then when that dies it then the you know and the chemicals decline in the soil then the next lot of um, plant seedlings from that particular parent plant will start germinating oh, excuse me so it's you know a no, it's basically a way of you know neutering its own its own seedlings, um, you know, its own offspring, but it also impacts on a number of other seedlings. Like if you're trying to regenerate native seedling, you know, seeds or native planted areas in your in your gardens or in your bush, and you've got the woolly nightshade, for example, in there, then you're going to find that it will not let any of the the other natives or the other more desirable seeds um, germinate. So, you know, if it's something that you've got in your garden, if, if you know, this might explain something like the black walnut, um, which is even more toxic than the woolly nightshade. So when I compared the two, um, they were, you know, they both suppressed seedling germination or seed germination from other species. It's, it's very much a suppressant, you know. So it's not just 
plant pests. It's also desirables like the the walnut tree that will do it if you ever um, in a, in a you know situation or privileged enough to see a mature walnut tree, you'll see that there's hardly anything that naturally grows underneath it until that particular tree passes on, and then you'll get this huge abundance of walnut seedlings just going crazy and it's like a um, you know until the the biggest and the best survives basically and shades out the rest again so no it isn't always if you've got a dead sort of dead, I want to say dead spot in your garden it's not necessarily always because of a shading out um, which is another obviously cause in another way that your your garden regulates itself by creating shade it stops a lot of other desirables from coming through as well and that's a cheeky way of doing it but I'll tell you I mean I must admit you know the chemical warfare thing is pretty exciting you know you've you've got other forms of chemical um, things happening in your garden such as clovers they have the nitrogen fixing nodules which is symbiotic bacteria and and uh, growing in with your particular plants and they they literally fix the nitrogen in your soil which is why clover paddocks always look so green and lush and you can you know guarantee that whatever you plant in with your your clovers you're going to get relatively good um, nitrogen loading and another real you know undervalued and I want to say undervalued because everybody hates it especially here in New Zealand when it takes off as gorse for example Gorse is, for those who don't know it, it is quite a prickly, prickly um, shrub that can grow, you know, one or two, well, even three metres tall, depending on where and what situation. It grows in waste areas, but it's also one of the first regenerative plants in a area that's starting to you know sort of gone from waste ground and you'll find it's it's a one that populates the area first now gorse stays alive in your soil for if I want to you know the seed remains viable you know in some cases I think they've reported up to 30 plus years so if you've got gorse in your gardens and your in your land areas in your bush then you get on top of it really quickly because otherwise that seed bank stays there for years. But I digress. What makes this particular plant so special is, again, it has these nitrogen-fixing nodules in the soil, you know, in the root systems, and it is also a really great plant keeping soil together. So if you often see gorse growing on cliffs, on banks, it's not actually a bad thing. I know the seed spreads like it, it's got this, um, the, the seed once it gets to a certain temperature, the, the pods, they like quite literally explode the seed away from the parent plant. And again, that's another, you know, effective way of spreading the seed around. And it's, it, it, it's explosive when you, you see the pressure that is built up in these seed pods it is just incredible the distance these seed will pop and and you know literally get chucked away from from the parent plant so that's another way of the parent plant preventing the its offspring from competing with it you know which is really really incredible so you know we've got the the chemical warfare going on in your plants we've got the shading out going on in your in your gardens that you know preventing others from growing around it we've got the power of you know seed pods exploding away from the parent plants to stop them the juveniles from competing with 
your parent, you know, with the, with the parent itself, all those sort of things. And then one of my favorites has to be the divaricating shrubs. Now, what I mean with divarication is quite literally, if you're looking at the general a general plant, you've got a branch and you've got some leaves, you know, that literally, depending on the type of plant, sort of grow off the stem, um, you know, either the same, you know, same sides or around the, tr- the little twigs. Or you've got the divaricating shrubs. Now, in New Zealand, some of our natives, we've got a particular one of the little hebes, it has branches that grow at 90 degree angles. Right, you see some of the plains and um, some of the jungles and things like that, that especially um, some of the um, wattles and things like that that grow, acacia melanoxins and things that grow like that to stop the giraffes, for example, from getting at there at the buds and things. It's a, a form of warfare protecting um, the new shoots, the new flowers, the new growth, and it quite literally grows on all sorts of angles and it's quite tight and it stops the um, the vegetative parts of it from being eaten. That's another form of warfare in your garden. It's like literally growing. It's adjusted and adapted to grow and develop and to stop, um, ins- well, not necessarily insects, but, you know, especially the herbivores from getting in there. So, you know, we've got growth habit as a, a, as a warfare tactic. We've got chemicals as a warfare tactic. We have explosive seed pods as a warfare tactic. We've got, you know, the, the form, and, and it, it's super, super exciting how a lot of these plants, you know, especially the how they have grown and developed in well, basically over time to protect their soft inners, to protect their flowers, to protect their, um, basically the survival of the parent plant even, and to, you know, stop the competition from being able to get in there and, and suck the nutrients out of the soil that, you know, quite literally, I mean, we, we do it, you know, with our kids, we're very protective of our children, we'll do anything to, you know, give them the best, the best start in life if we can, so you know, the, at the end of the day, plants are not very different. They absolutely have a language. They protect themselves. They protect the offspring, and they, you know, just—it's incredible that the 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 garden language is just so super exciting. How it all and the ecology, how it all works in together, and how it meshes together. So, the next time you go and have a look and, and have a look at the plants, so have a look in your garden. You know, just have a look at a plant and how it protects itself. And you never quite know what's happening under the soil. Like I said, with the gorse, it's that nitrogen fixing, so it's producing a lot of its own, you know, food other than. Um, just you know what it's su- sucking up out of the soil really because if you've got a, a plant there the root zone you know especially if it's a long-lived plant eventually it'll suck up all the juice and all the goodness out of the soil and especially if it's evergreen you're not getting that that natural mulching kind of leaf drop that's pre- you know presenting that nutrients back into the soil so you know they've got to find another way of basically producing its own goodies and like the clovers producing its own nitrogen, like the gorse producing its own nitrogen, lupins are in a really good one that put nitrogen back in the soil. And you can do that with your veggie gardens, you know, the mustard seeds and things, the seeds and, you know, that sort of stuff that you can grow over winter and then you dig back into your soil and you're producing, bringing that carbon back in that 
that uh, organic matter that really you know produces good healthy um, crops back in, in spring so it's all part of that rotation stuff so on a, um, so from another um, point of view so if you've got uh, your bark your gardens for example this is something that um, caught me out many 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 years and that's again me doing it messy was I threw a whole heap of quite green um, bark onto a garden that was quite new and it had a lot of um, quite young vegetation planted into it and at the time you know, this was many years ago and I didn't quite understand the nature of nitrogen fixing um, and composting and, and decay and things like that whereas in if you're putting green bark down, make sure you add a little bit of nitrogen fertilizer. So that can be anything like urea or nitrophosca blue, anything like that, just with something with a good, decent um, nitrogen content. Now, the reason for that is when, and this is another form of warfare in your in your garden, so just bear with me. If you've got a, a you know a plant that tends to shred its bark and you know, so it drops it on the ground. So the, the bark itself, while it starts decaying, you've got a lot of bacteria doing its thing in there. And it absorbs a lot of the nitrogen out of the soil to keep going through that process to make sure that you do actually, um, you know, have that nice um, formality of, of decay. And basically, so by putting in the nitrogen, you're actually preventing the soils from becoming nitrogen depleted and that nitrogen being taken away, the available nitrogen being taken away from the plants. And you're actually, you know, so you're not compromising the growth of whatever you've got in there. Whereas in, when I did it and I, you know, you never put bark against the trunks of trees or plants, whatever, so because otherwise you cause rotting. But when I did it, I didn't know about the nitrogen being sucked out of the soil and I couldn't understand why my plants were well they weren't thriving and they looked quite miserable and then after about six months um it was a little bit earlier but after about and they suddenly looked burnt so what happened was the bark that had sucked up all the nitrogen out of the soil or the, the composting organisms that were decay you know causing the bark to decay the bark got to the point where it was at that threshold of having decayed and it literally you know did a nutrient loading back into the soil so all that nitrogen was released quite quickly and it burnt it burnt the vegetation that was in there like it was like hot 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 you know quite hot to touch for the the root systems and then I had a nitrogen um, burning issue so if you can manage that nitrogen loading, so by making sure that your your plants one aren't deprived, and obviously by having a mix of, you know, if you if you're going to use green bark, you know, wet bark, so fresh, fresh, fresh bark that hasn't been allowed to dry out and given a bit of a chance to settle and have that loading up, then do a mix. If you can do a mix of old and new bark, then you're not going to get that nitrogen dumping or that nutrient loading um, a little bit down the track. So, so you know, these are, again, are just simple things that you can kind of mitigate in your garden for um, a more effective way of managing your, well, basically the warfare in, in, your, in your gardens. Um, so, 
without going on a, a little bit too much, because this is a topic that I am very, very passionate about. But the next time, yeah, definitely, when you go and have a look at your garden or go and any plant, actually, any plant, have a look at how it's growing. Um, the, the, you know, if there's any distinguishing features, like it's got spikes, the, the vegetation's divaricated, and it's sort of growing like a mat and hard to get into. So it's protecting all its, you know, all its basically the heart of the, the plant itself, like protecting the root systems or protecting its growth points or its fruit. Um, you know, like a pineapple's got big spikes growing on top of it to to you know discourage people you know the the um discourage the animals for example um and even humans from harvesting the the goodness that is the the fruit itself um and you know your silver beets even in your in your veggie garden the way it grows with the older leaves on the outside and it goes up and you're you know you're protecting the 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 soft inner growth um a lettuce for example it hearts up and the way it does is it folds in over each other over itself so it's protecting that you know that inner growth point again you know so those are all ways it's all the you know part of that secret life of your garden and how it's basically all warfare out there and how it protects itself and how it grows and how it develops with the nitrogen loading, with the the making sure that the parent plant is protected from being taken over by its own juveniles and stopping other plants from trying to encroach on its growing space by shading out and stopping things from germinating. Of course, we've got vegetation that has genuinely adjusted and adapted to you know, thrive in those situations. Like in New Zealand, we've got the native bush with the different types of layers of, of, of growth. You know, you've got your trees and then you've got your shrubs and you've got your ferns and then you've obviously got your mosses and your lichens and things like that that grow on your understory. So there is a whole different, you know, life. It's very much a secret life of, of plants in your garden. But if, if there was anything that you've, you know, if this has helped or if you've learned anything from it, please, you know, let me know if there was something that you kind of went, oh, I had a bit of an aha moment. I know, um, I mean, like I said, I could go on forever about the secret life of plants and I might do another episode later on about, um, about oh, just even more of it. And if there's anything, so if there's any topics that you would like me to cover, please do DM me and I will see what I can do and possibly do a, a topic um, podcast on it later in the, in the future. Now, if there was, if, if you liked this, please definitely subscribe. Um, happy for you, you know, please do girls, you know, solid. I think I've heard that line used before and, and review and, you know, I tell people about this podcast and definitely spread the love and you know if you're going into the holiday season um, just remember to if you're getting a pet sitter get them to pet sit your plants as well and keep them hydrated even if you're going you know if you're in colder climates it's really important to still stay on top of watering your gardens because the the the, the turga pressure um, does actually stop plants and the consistent, you know, it does actually stop plants from freezing or, you know, drying out depending on where you're at. But anyway, till next time, on a, have an amazing, amazing week. Like, you know, I always say, you know, gardening can happen in any space, any place and on any budget. And check me out on 
TikTok, I'm at the messed up um the messed up gardener. I've got some pretty cool little reels on there about different plants, different flowers, and what some of their you know most favorite growing situations are, etc. That sort of thing. So I'm on um, Instagram, the messed up gardener. Um, please do come along and and hit the follow button. Um, any questions, let me know, and I will catch you later. So have an amazing week. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I would love to hear about your gardening adventures. Flick me a DM on Instagram at The Messed Up Gardener or send me an email and let's connect. Don't forget to check out my gardening reels on TikTok. If you are looking for some help planning your next garden project or just need some one-on-one private coaching, reach out and let's get growing. If you have a garden-related business or you're looking at starting a gardening business, including arboriculture, land clearing, firewood or a general plant growing and selling business, let's work together in my one-on-one private business development coaching container. Having helped my clients grow several six-figure plus businesses, including from startup to working on million-dollar open space management contracts for many years now. Let me help you and let's grow your business so you can leapfrog your profits and establish a viable and sustainable business. If you're looking for a business podcast, check out my The Let's Biz You Up podcast available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If this episode was at all helpful, please share with others and let's get growing in any space, in any place and on any budget. Till next time, happy gardening and buzz you later.